This is The Irrelevant, a podcast about finding the deeper meaning of seemingly useless information. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today's episode is Hank the Tank is Truly Magical. Personally, I love a good animal-taking-human-food story. Remember Pizza Rat or that seagull that would shoplift like from the sliding doors? Or for example, a bear that keeps breaking into homes in Lake Tahoe? I mean, what's not to love about animals reaching the same conclusion we all have? It's much easier to go to the fridge than to hunt for food. That being said, I also understand that when that's happening, it's usually not a good sign. Because the worst thing a wild animal can do is become a nuisance to humans. And that's so unfair, isn't it? Why do we expect animals not to take the path of least resistance? And why not treat the root problem rather than the symptom? For example, why is that rat eating pizza? Or why is a bear breaking into houses? All of that got me thinking about problems that are caused when we are careless. And that's we as humans, as a species, as a whole. And that's what this episode is about. Hank the Tank, the best black bear that's ever graced our planet. And the tweet. A very stupid tweet. Let's get to it. Black bears are the smallest and most widely distributed bear species endemic to North America. Like all bears, they're omnivores and usually live in forests. However, they can be attracted to human population centers when food is easily available there. In the state of California, the average mass of a male black bear is 190 pounds, while the average mass of a female black bear is 128 pounds. So, Despite being the smallest North American bears, they're still pretty big. They have exceptional eyesight and hearing and have one of the best sense of smells in the animal kingdom. They're about seven times more sensitive to smells than domestic dogs. They also excel at swimming and are great climbers. All in all, they're incredible animals and we are very lucky to share a world with them. Hank the Tank is a black bear. Hank the Tank is the best black bear. Hank is indeed a tank. Remember how I said the average weight of a male black bear in California is 190 pounds? Hank weighs in at 500 pounds. And since July of 2021, Hank has been entering human homes in the Lake Tahoe area of California and eating as much food as he can get his paws on. According to CBS Sacramento, Hank is responsible for more than 150 break-ins in the Lake Tahoe area, straddling both California and Nevada. And Hank has gotten good at it. In fact, Hank has gotten so good at getting food from human homes that he just didn't hibernate this winter, which bears can do if they have year-round access to food. In lieu of hibernation, Hank just ate more and more and got bigger. Now he knows how to use that weight. He can bust through windows, front doors, or even garage doors like a big furry Kool-Aid man. And he seems to know his way around the kitchen too. According to residents of the home he's broken into, Hank is gentle and sweet. 
He just sits there and eat. He doesn't attack. He doesn't growl. He doesn't, quote, make rude faces, end quote, which is an objectively funny thing to say about a bear. Uh, but I guess they would know what a rude face or a non-rude face looks like from Hank the Tank because Hank has been harassed and shooed from hundreds of homes in the area only to come back the next day. But can you just imagine you're chilling in your house and the front door is broken down by a 500-pound bear who just bursts through and goes straight to the kitchen, opens the fridge, and starts eating your leftovers without paying you no mind whatsoever? But nothing is working at keeping Hank away. Hank keeps coming back, getting bigger, and breaking into houses for that sweet, sweet food. According to Peter Tira, a spokesman for the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, our boy Hank is a, quote, severely food-habituated bear, one that has lost all fear of people, and he sees people now as a food source, end quote. So Hank sees people as a food source now and not as hairless apes that have harnessed the evil force of fire, which can be a problem. For example, it can lead to him just realizing that he can just shoulder check a door and get access to leftover Panera bread. How did Hank figure this out, though? What triggered this behavior? The answer, much like almost everything in the last two years, can be traced to COVID. When COVID-19 shut offices down, a lot of white-collar workers were able to work remotely and be just as efficient as if they were in offices. And when the first two weeks passed from the shutdown and we realized offices were not being reopened, many white-collar workers decided to work remotely in places that were not their homes, and many vacation spots became sort of remote work locations where people didn't exactly live there, but they were working there, and they just stayed there for extended periods of time. And that's exactly what happened to Lake Tahoe. Black bears are not new to Lake Tahoe. A black bear sighting is entirely normal. In fact, the residents of Lake Tahoe know how to live around black bears. For example, they know not to leave food out. That's just, they just don't do it. They own special trash cans that are sealed so that a bear can't get into it. Because the people who are from Lake Tahoe know that if a bear gets a bite of Little Caesars, it's never going to want to eat a grub ever again. And the bear will be back. When the remote workers came to Lake Tahoe and settled in their Airbnbs to log onto Microsoft Teams and touch base while circling back, they didn't care about any of the bear aware stuff. And when you pair this influx of bear unaware people with the Caldor fire of 2021, which displaced 22,000 residents of the area, leaving all these empty homes for bears to explore, you create Hank the Tank sticking around homes because it's way easier than hunting slash finding food. And now, Hank is left in the unfortunate position of being labeled a nuisance, a danger to the community, because of uncaring people, unaware of the world they were stepping into and how their actions could have an effect on the environment around them. Now, Hank has to be dealt with. But you can't just put a bear like Hank that's now grown used to feeding on human food back in the wilderness. They'll starve as they've grown unaccustomed to hunting. So it's either trapping him and relocating him to a zoo or sanctuary, or killing him. And I don't think anybody wants that, but 
they might be forced to do that. And nobody wants that, especially if it's the fault of some analyst working on a Salesforce dashboard that got like two views. On February 16th, 2022, Becca Sherman, co-founder and COO of Workweek Inc., a media company that leverages individual content creators to create enjoyable content that is also some sort of expert advice. I really couldn't tell what they do from their website, but... Becca Sherman, out of Austin, Texas, co-founder and COO of Workweek Inc., tweeted the following, quote, Do yourself a favor and remote work in Mexico City. It is truly magical. End quote. Attached with a super trendy pic of a white hallway with glass ceilings and all of these plants, it's a beautiful place and an overall incredibly bougie place. And there was nothing harmful about this tweet, right? She's promoting Mexico, there's no sepia tone, there's no cartel references. Well, the fact is Becca Sherman is but one of the many white-collar workers who have been finding their way to Mexico City, and it's frankly been more than a little disruptive to the city. Settling in mostly three bougie neighborhoods of the giant metropolis, these being Roma, Condesa, and Polanco, remote workers have been coming in, settling in Airbnbs, and working in the city for months at a time. Their white-collar salaries in U.S. dollars are far larger than those of the Mexico City residents who are earning in pesos, and as such, rents in those neighborhoods are skyrocketing and people are being displaced. Gentrification at its core is when a city stops providing for the poor or middle classes and instead becomes a space whose purpose is to generate capital for the rich. And the remote worker moving to magical Mexico City is the perfect capital generator that the rich can use to display the poor or middle class and just create an Airbnb for a ridiculous price that the residents of the city cannot afford, but the analysts from Salesforce can. That's not all, though. There's this concept that is only applied to the rich moving to a place that's not as economically advantaged as the country of origin the person is moving from, and this is the term expat. These remote workers who are coming to CEDEMEX are not considered immigrants, despite the fact that they have no work permit or have not processed any immigration papers for a prolonged stay or even paid taxes in the city. Because they're richer or more privileged than the residents of the city, they are called expats. And an expat is nothing but a privileged immigrant. Most of these expats are, in fact, in the country illegally, considering the maximum stay for tourists and business visitors in Mexico is up to six months, and the maximum stay for visitors in transit is up to 30 days, but that doesn't seem to matter to them. They do not care. Expats seem to have this general uncaring attitude towards the city they're moving to because rather than adhering to or learning the ways of the city, they consider it their imperative to impose their lifestyle on the place. There's a podcast that, like most podcasts, has that after five episodes entitled Sedemex Expats, started by a bilingual Mexican-American woman who moved to Sedemex uh, early in the pandemic And in it, she and other expats talk about their exploits in the city. And if you listen to it, you'll get exactly what I mean. 
They talk about secret parties in the middle of the COVID pandemic when vaccines were available in the U.S. but not available in Mexico, or taking acid at Teotihuacan and just all around general douchebaggery. Ultimately, the expat is an extremely privileged class and a completely unfair category. When a Mexican moves to the USA, they're an immigrant. When an American moves to Mexico, they're an expat. So back to our expat, Becca. Becca's tweet was ultimately met with backlash from all kinds of Mexican people, highlighting the rent crisis that's happening in the magical neighborhoods she's moving into, as well as posts showing the rest of Mexico City where the remote workers would never go into. And she deleted her tweet. Some people cried out of how these replies were xenophobic, which I cannot agree with. And this is coming from a person who is an American, who is a remote worker, who could remotely work anywhere. To cry of xenophobia is to shift the responsibility to the people being affected by the abnormal factors being introduced and upsetting the way things were as opposed to calling out those who are responsible for the unprecedented and ill-conceived change. To put it another way, calling Mexicans xenophobic for not wanting Becca Sherman types remotely working in magical Mexico would be like calling Hank the Tank humanphobic for breaking into their homes and eating the garbage they introduced to his habitat. Both of these stories... Hank the Tank and Magical Mexico City tweet are about remote workers and the massive diaspora of remote workers that COVID-19 unleashed upon the world. Now more than ever, people with laptops are moving to places that never expected them and their disposable incomes to move to. And frankly, it's creating a huge problem. We can see it in two ways here. Hank the Tank would have probably never tasted pizza if not for remote workers, and Sedemex is changing drastically because of remote workers. And in both cases, the remote workers do not care or are barely mentioned. And here's the thing. Just because you can do your job from a place that's not your office and nothing changes for you, doesn't mean you can move to a place and nothing changes for it. A realization as simple as that would be all it takes for a lot of these workers to stop doing what they're doing. COVID has highlighted how selfish we can be when it comes to the care of others, when it, in terms of not catching a disease, sure. But the separation between people who can work remotely and those who can't has exposed another kind of selfishness. The selfishness of the white-collar worker who thinks the world is indeed flat and the custom slash behavior slash lifestyles they have in their home applies to any city in the world. And that's just not true. And it's not fair to shift the blame to, quote, xenophobic Mexicans or, quote, destructive bears, because the fact is the problem was created by the people with more money than sense settling in a place with no regard or care for how their presence changes things, and rather than adapting their customs to those places, they're disrupting those places, and these are but two results of that. Until governments step in and regulate or control these movements by remote workers, I don't see how things can improve, 
And if cities continue to consider themselves capital generation projects instead of projects that care for the well-being of their citizens, this will frankly never stop. In that case, it's up to us to call out gentrification where it happens, to call out insensitivity to the well-being of a place, to reject the easy shifting of blame to the affected rather than the perpetrators, but most of all, to tell to the world, free Hank the Tank. That's it for this episode of The Irrelevant. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I bet you never thought I would be talking about a fat bear and gentrification in one podcast, but there it is. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. Leave us a review on podchaser.com or Apple Podcast. And there's a link in the show notes if you want to get a t-shirt to support the show. Uh, but as But thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time. And as always, OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.